Raise your hand. God knows. Amen. Let's let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we love you. We thank you for this opportunity to be in your house. We thank you, God, for everything that you have done. Lord, I pray for every hand that was raised. I pray for every need that has been brought into this place tonight, God knowing that you are able and that you see already, God. I pray for everyone that needs healing. I pray for everyone that needs strength tonight, God, that you will just touch them. Lord, I pray the miraculous in everybody's life, God. In the powerful name of Jesus, I pray, Lord, that you would just move on the camps these coming weeks. God, that many kids and children will receive the Holy Ghost. God, that you would do the miraculous down there in those services. And we give you all the praise. We give you all the glory for what you're doing, God. And we praise you, God. I lift you up tonight, Father. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your healing, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen, amen. You may be seated. Well, I hope the place looks a little bigger, a little bit bigger to you tonight. We're, we're, we're slowly getting things done to the sanctuary, and, and uh, next we've still got a few more lights we're going to put here on the, on the platform, and, and then this, this will be done, and we can focus our attention on some other projects that are starting, but amen. God is good. Amen. Always happy to make the, the house of God look better. I almost need my sunglasses trying to look out at everybody. <laughs> well, we're going to finish on, and I won't, I, 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 well, I ain't going to say anything. Every time I say I'm not going to be long, Brother Wilson, I, I end up being long. So I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to say this is probably the shortest. No, I'm not going to say that either. <laughs> I made that mistake about a couple months ago. But we're going to finish up on our commitment series tonight. And if you need a copy of the notes, uh, get with me and I will, I will make you a copy. We, we need to be committed. If we are going to live a holy life, if we are going to live an apostolic life, we have to be committed. Uh, Wishy-washy uh, Christians uh, probably will not make it into the kingdom of God. So uh, we have to make a commitment to prayer. We have to make a commitment to praise and worship. We have to be committed to our giving. And tonight I want to talk about our commitment to fellowship. We need fellowship. You need fellowship. This church needs fellowship. And I'll explain why uh, as we go along. Uh, I have thousands of scriptures that I'm going to be reading tonight, so I didn't want to inundate uh, Brother Zachary. So if you want to follow along, uh, or if, again, if you want the, the notes after I'm done, get with me and, and uh, I will, I'll make some copies and get those to you. But we'll start with the book of Ephesians chapter number four, reading verse one. Zachary, if you want to put this one up, I'll leave it at this. Ephesians chapter four, we'll read verse one through three and we'll read in the, in the King James Version. I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you, this is Paul writing, that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, as Brother Wilson was, was talking and, and teaching this, this past weekend, with lowliness and meekness. God does not call you and put you in a position for, look what I have done. Look who I am. That's not what it's all about. I don't get behind the pulpit just because look at me. But it says, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, Forbearing one another in love. Forbearing means to control oneself when provoked. You ever been somebody make you angry and you wanted to lash out? None of you spiritual people, right? Well, none of you spiritual people ever wanted to lash out uh, when provoked. 
But Paul says we have to have lowliness, meekness, and long-suffering, forbearing one another. There will be times, I'm going to surprise all of you, there are going to be times when somebody in the church makes you angry. And it may just may be the pastor. But it says forbearing one another. In other words, controlling ourselves when there's a disagreement. Forbearing one another in love. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the band of peace. So unity is what is needed. Let me say this. Where there is a church that is unified, that's a church that is poised for revival. God moves in a church that is unified. Where there is divisions and where there is troubles, revival will not come. But revival always comes to a church that is unified. Oneness all together. I've heard some say that they're oneness, but I don't think they were oneness of spirit in a church. I think I told this testimony when I saw Russ Taff in concert many, many years ago that his humble beginnings became, uh, started in Poplar Bluff, Missouri in a, in a Pentecostal church down, down there that he could not understand there was two main families of, that made up the church, small church. And the two main families would shout and dance during the service and walk out the doors and not say one word to another. And he, he just did not understand how this could exist in, in, in the church body. But it happens. It happens. But Paul says we need to endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit. Endeavor means it's going to take some work. It's going to take some work because sometimes there is somebody that just grinds you the wrong way. Their attitude, the way they talk whatever how they handle themselves whatever may not be to uh, uh how you are but there are just it just seems like there's going to be somebody that always just seems to rub you the wrong way whether it be at work or whether it be at church it's going to happen but paul says we're going to have to work hard endeavor means to work hard to give due diligence or to strive to keep that means to that that infers that someone might try to take that away from us to keep the unity of the church, of the spirit. So if there is unity in the spirit, there is going to be someone that's going to try to bring disunity because the devil will try to bring disunity in a church. He will, he will do that because that's his agenda for the church. His main thrust is isolation. God brings together. He wants to bring families together. He wants to bring a church together in unity. So if God is trying to bring a church together in unity, that means there's somebody, the enemy, that will try to take that away from us. So that's why we have to understand that little things can cause a division. Little things can cause a, a little fire that kind of rises up. And it seems like whenever we're advancing in the kingdom and when God is moving and souls are being one, it just seems like that's when little fires start erupting. And sometimes the pastor has to put his fireman's hat on. But that's what I'm here for. Because we need to keep the unity of the spirit in the church. But isolation is what the devil will try to do. And since the beginning of time, when God put Adam and Eve together, he said, it's not 
right. It's not meat for a man to be alone. This, this poor idiot's going to need help. So he brought Eve, and they were together, put together in unity with God. But as soon as they sinned, there was separation from the relationship with God. So from the very beginning, what the devil tries to do is bring separation. And I've been in the ministry long enough, and I have dealt with mental illnesses long enough, and I have ministered to people long enough to know that isolation brings despair. Isolation brings suicidal thoughts. Isolation brings financial problems. Isolation brings problems with families and spouses and spiritual problems, and it puts you in a dry place. And all of this come at least are made worse when we isolate ourselves. You need somebody. When you're going through something, you need somebody. I've been there. When I isolated myself, when I felt like I was in this little bubble and I'm just going to live in this little bubble, it just made things worse. It's because I need somebody. You need somebody. I know they say, and I've heard this saying, I am a rock and I am an island. Well, I tell you, no man's a rock. No man's an island. Because we need one another. I need somebody. But that's why Paul wrote this in Hebrews 10, 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. And it seems like that's getting worse in today's church. People thinking, I don't need to go to church. I can just watch it on TV. Or I can just go once a month, once a, once a year, and I'll, I'll, I'll be okay. But he wrote, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as we see the day approaching. What he's saying is we need one another. Why do we come in as a corporate body to a church? Faith builds when we're together. Faith builds. And when we come together in one mind and one accord, God's spirit shows up. But it brings me great joy to be with my brothers and sisters in Christ. It, it, it builds my faith when I see others that I know are going through storms, when I, I know are going through things, but yet they're still here. It builds my faith. So assembling ourselves together. I heard somebody in my work mention something about uh, church, what church they went to, and, and the person I heard, I was kind of not part of the conversation, but I was in, I was over at, uh, with my customer, and uh, one of the members of upper management said this remark because they said, well, I go to such and such a church, but I haven't been there in a while. And uh, the remark was, well, you don't have to go to church to be saved. That's how they feel. That's the day we live in. You don't have to go to church to be saved. But not forsaking the assembling of ourselves. I heard this story of a friend that was uh, coming out of church and a uh, preacher was standing there shaking everybody's hand as they were coming out and, and uh, the preacher stopped this one, one guy in, in, in front of a friend and uh, he grabbed the hand of, of, of this man and pulled him aside and the pastor said to him and pointed his finger says, you need to be at church. You need to join the army of the Lord. And the guy replied, well, I'm already 
in the army of the Lord. He says, well, I haven't seen you a while. And the guy says, well, I'm in the secret service. <laughs> well, it doesn't work that way. It does not work that way. Because God knew there was power in us hooking up together and connecting with one another. There's a quote that says, Christians are like snowflakes. They may not be large, but when they stick together, they can stop traffic. And that's what happens when we gather together. By ourselves, we're not very strong, but you link up with another brother and another sister, and you agree in Jesus' name, there is power that comes with linking up. There's nothing better than linking up with somebody. I need prayer. Can you agree with me in prayer over the situation? And all it takes is just a hook up in faith with a fellow brother or sister, and there's power that comes with that. Not saying there's not power with you by yourself and your prayers alone, but there's a strength when you know there's a brother or sister that are praying with you. Even Solomon said two are better than one because there's nothing, nothing people can't do when we come together in agreement. Do you know how hard it is for a pastor to uh, lead a congregation when when everybody's in disagreement about something. I don't like the way you do this, and I don't like the way you do that. And I was telling Sister Angie the other day when I was assisting with Falto, and uh, the Bethalto building blew over in a storm, and uh, we were actually renting the, the Baptist church. They would have a morning service. We would come in around noon-ish, start setting up for our service at 1 o'clock, and uh, we would come in right as the church was being dismissed, and I always seen uh, a pastor and he was getting his stuff together, shaking my hand. He was going down in the basement for, uh, uh, for meetings with the board. And after about a month, and I know they had, within a couple months' time, I've known I've seen him like four or five meetings, always with his briefcase and everything. He's going down the basement. So I shook his hand and uh, said, another meeting? He said, yes. He said, if we want to change toilet paper, we have to have a meeting. That's, yeah, that's tough. That's tough. But when people come together in agreement, man, what, what power there is. There's a story of and, uh, Sister Angie and I watched part of the Lone Ranger the other night. How many remember the Lone Ranger? And Tonto and the Lone Ranger were coming up on a, on a big hill. And as they got to the top of the hill, uh, over on the other side was just horse after horse after horse of of uh, Indians and Redskins that were all, all on, on the horses. And, and the Lone Ranger looked at Tonto and says, oh, my word, what are we going to do? And Tonto says, what do you mean, we, white man? <laughs> because there's power when there comes together. And the very principle of agreement goes into uh, uh, first mention in the Bible, the Tower of Babel. In Genesis 11 and 5, and the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, behold, the people are one. And they have all one language, and they begin to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them for which they have imagined to do. Why? Because everybody came together with, with one thing. We're going to build this. So whenever, I tell you what, when the church comes together, when we say we're going to have revival or we're going to do this project or we're going to do that and 100% comes together, it gets done because we all have the same goal in mind. But God killed that. He stopped it. 
and confused everybody, but everybody came together, and he said they're all now one. But that's why fellowship is different than agreement or consensus. Listen, Acts chapter number 2, and they gladly received his word, were baptized the same day. They were added unto them about 3,000 souls. What a great revival. I mean, like to have 3,000 added to the church. <laughs> and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, and it says, and fellowship, in verse number 42, and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles, and all that believed were together and had all things common sold their possessions and goods, parted them to all men as every man had need, and they continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness, singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. So fellowship and togetherness and all things common, they were all together. Everybody was on the same page. You see, Fellowship, when we mention fellowship, we, 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 we take for granted the word fellowship. We all seem to think, oh, that's the church picnic. And we'll have that, and that's great. I know when I first came over as pastor, I don't think we did too many picnics that I remember uh, uh, at one point. But uh, we, we, we started the fifth Sunday picnic, and we started having these little game nights and fellowships and, and doing things together. And what it does is it brings the church together. Because what? what better time to talk to our brothers and sisters than when we're sitting down playing a nice game of horseshoes, nice game of washers, or better yet, feeding our faces. What do you like, Brother Warren? What do you like to eat? Yeah, I like this too. Yeah, give me some of that. Because we learn more about one another when we're having some one-on-one -on -one time, and we learn what each other likes and what each other doesn't like, and we come together. There's something about getting together with the brothers and sisters and understanding them a little bit better. But there's something a little bit deeper. There's something a little bit stronger. There's a spiritual result of the Holy Ghost when we seem to come together and we understand that there is fellowship and community that is needed in this church. I call this our community. This is our church community. And the reason we need to understand fellowship and the reason we need to understand what we have and what we need to share is because there are newcomers that are starting now. There are new families that are starting. We need to include them. We need to include them in our community. We need to help them understand that, hey, we want you a part of this. And include them in the dinners. Ask them if they want to go out to eat. Ask them if they want to come over to our house. I, I'm, I, I know I talked to uh, Josh and Angel, and they, they can't wait till camps are over because they are dying to get in my arcade. So is somebody else. Added a skee-ball table now, so now everybody's ready to see what. So let me preface this. I know I said I'm done, and I know I said I've, I've, I bought my last game. But with the skee-ball table there, I had to move the curtain over almost to the man cave. So now the skee-ball table is a part of the man cave, and I got all this open space that looks horrible that I got to do something with. And I'm praying and fasting on what I need to do with these spaces. So we'll see what happens, what Sister Angel allows me to do with those empty spaces. 
But we need to understand that we need to include these new ones in and make them feel a part of our community. And I've said this, and I will say it again. When new ones come into our church, they're coming in from their lifestyle. I don't know what their lifestyle is, but most of them is not a church lifestyle. Maybe they're used to the hanging out on Friday nights at the bars. Maybe they're hanging out at the clubs. I don't know, but this is all new to them. So we need to include them in our community, make them feel comfortable in our community. And that comes with fellowship. We got to know uh, Josh and Angel a little bit when we had the last dinner here. And, and it's interesting hearing some of the background and hearing how excited they are about our church. That's exciting. But fellowship, what they're talking about in the New Testament comes from the Greek word koinia, which literally means participation. It means uh, togetherness, to communicate, communion. And that's what we're all about. We're, we're here to communicate. We're here just to commune and be with one another. It means to be a sharer. As we read in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, they shared all things common. If somebody had a need, somebody was there to help them out with that need. And that's the way we need to be. If there's a need, we need to be able to help in that need, whether it be in the church or whether it be like what we're doing here, helping somebody or something outside of these church walls. That's what church is all about, helping and being of help and sharing ourselves with, with my brothers and sisters. Listen, God honors our giving. What you put in that offering plate, God will honor. But can I tell you, God will honor your time that you put into his kingdom. Whether you're outside this building working, mowing the grass, and thank you to everybody who does that. Thank you to everybody who cleans a church. Thank you, thank you, thank you. God honors that time. And if you're going to visit somebody, God honors that. But whatever you're doing for the kingdom, sharing of yourself, sharing of your time, sharing of your finances, sharing of your food, God will honor that. So it's much more than, than a unity, but it's action, doing something. Remember the early church, they fellowship with one another. They were going to one another's homes. They were going out together. And that's what we're doing. That's why we have community groups now. We get together in groups as families, as friends, and come together hoping that somebody, maybe somebody that's not, doesn't want to come to a church building would be more apt to come to a home where they feed you and you have some fellowship. You don't have to ask me twice. You want to come over to have food? Many of you know you want to come over and eat? What time? I'll be there. But you see, there are people that would be more apt to come to a house where it's, where it's less churchy but where they can hear the word of God, where they understand who we are. We're not crazy people, mostly. Mostly. But they're more understanding, hey, those people aren't who I thought they were. That they, they act like we do. Listen, we, we're good people. We're a little crazy, but we're good people. And what I like hearing is people that are coming to the church and love the spirit they feel, love the worship they hear, and love that people will shake their hand, make them feel welcome. Welcome to our community. We're building a community right here in Pontiac, Illinois. I've been to some churches. Lord have mercy. 
where it's a closed-door community. What I mean by that is they didn't want anybody from the world coming into their church. Doesn't that sound hard to believe? They don't look like us. They don't act like us. They don't talk like us. They don't dress like us. They don't speak like us. So we want them out there. That's not what the kingdom's all about. Bring them in here. They need to hear the word of God too. It's open to everybody and let God do the work on them. But fellowship happens when we tune into him and then tune in to each other. Unity and unity. I say this, I can tell a lot of people and their relationships and how they love by watching them how they love their God. Because if they don't understand the relationship this way, and how to have a relationship with God, most of the times I, I, I see that they don't know how to have a relationship this way. It begins here. Loving God, God loving us, and then we share our loves this way. Fellowship. I found this illustration, I thought, thought it was so, so interesting that you take 100 pianos that need to be tuned and they take one tuning fork and tune each piano to one tuning fork. And when you tune 100 pianos to one tuning fork, they're all together, one. Now, if we took the one tuning fork and tuned the, this piano or this piano took another tuning fork or took uh, uh, the tuning from this piano to you're not going to get an equal tuning. But when they're all tuned in to one, the same tuning fork, they're all individually together. And God expects us, listen to me, expects us to connect to one another. Through his spirit, through his word, and through all of our values. We are his disciples, and it's our responsibility to build that connection. I've heard some people think that it's the pastor's job to come to them and it's the pastor's job to make the, the connection with them. And it's a pa- Listen, relationship comes two ways. If all I did was sit on my throne and says, Ann's going to have to come. If she wants to talk, she's going to have to approach my throne and come, come to me and talk. I ain't going to be much of a relationship. But relationship comes two ways. We talk, we share, and we communicate. We love. And same with this in the church. We communicate. You tell me your needs or you tell me, and, and, and this is how we learn. If you don't, a lot of people seem to think that the pastor just has all this time to peruse Facebook to see what's going on in the church's life. Well, I didn't know so-and-so was sick, but I saw it on Facebook. Sometimes I get my feelings hurt because nobody calls me, lets me know they're sick, and lets, you know, wants me to pray for them. I got news for you. I don't have time to peruse Facebook to see what's going on. But it takes communication. I'll let you know if something's going on with me so you can pray for me. But I want you to call me when you need prayer too. And that's how the relationship is built. That's community. That's fellowship. Let me say this. I, if, I, if there's something seriously wrong with me, I would want a prayer chain to get started. I want as much people praying for me as possible. Fellowship, community. God expects us to build that. But I've seen people that felt like the, it's the church's job 
and the church's job to, to serve them and connect to them. Well, it takes, takes two to build a relationship. We will connect with these families, and I, I pray they see what we're doing, and, and they will start to connect with us. But I, I'm very excited because I, I, I think it's starting to happen, church, and I, and I like what I feel. I like the spirit that I feel. But the principles of fellowship that we, we must to commit to ourselves. We have to, to commit ourselves to understand that, number one, we belong in God's family and with other believers. Camps are starting, and I like going down there, and I like seeing some old friends and pastors and minister friends. But we belong in God's family. I look forward to the time. We had Christmas up at my house, both families together. The house was packed. It was sheer craziness, and I loved every second of it. I loved every second of it because that was, that's my family. I want you to understand this is where you belong. You belong with your family right here. And we want those new believers to understand that they are now family, and we want them to feel like they belong too. You ever go to somewheres where you, you just felt like you didn't belong? You know they didn't want you there. You felt kind of an outcast. It's not a very pleasant feeling. But the last place that should be at is right here in church. The last place that should be felt is right here. But when that visitor walks through those doors, we better make sure we're shaking their hands. We better make sure that we're welcoming them to. I know we got a welcome team out there, and thank you to all those that are doing that. That's what that's for. But as soon as they walk through those doors and get in here, we don't want them to feel like a stranger. We don't want them to feel like an alien. We want them to feel welcome, introduce ourselves and, and make them feel welcome because they're more apt to come back when they're comfortable. Galatians 6 and 1 says, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong in the family of believers. Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. Now, therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints of the household of God. We are fellow citizens of, of God and are built upon the foundations of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fit friendly together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are also built together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. We're all placed here together. God designed this. Just as he designed your body, which the, the human body just as amazes me too how it functions and how it works and everything works together. And if, if you cut yourself, there's already cells and there's already things going in place to start the healing process. I don't have to tell it to. It does it automatically. When I stub my toe, I don't have to tell the hand, that hurts, go down there and take care of that thing. I couldn't even tell you how many times Sister Ange and I stubbed our ankles and toes on these beds that when, in the cabin in, 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 uh, in, in Tennessee. Kid you not, the bed was literally this high. And you can't see that corner when you go around. And we were constantly stubbing our toes or hitting our shins on that silly thing. And, but when I did, whoo, that hand came to rescue real quick. But God has placed us here in the body to help one another when somebody's injured. When my brother's injured, I want to be there to help the healing process. When my sister's hurting, I want to be there to help because that's what we do. God placed us all together perfectly. Now, I don't, 
I don't understand. I, I, I know everything's working, but there's nothing in here that's fighting against one another. The stomach's not mad at the head that I know of. The feet aren't complaining. The ears aren't complaining. Everything is there, placed perfectly by God. And you've been placed here by God in a perfect body, in a perfect community, and a perfect fellowship that we have. Let's serve one another because you're a member of God's very own family. Don't think that you're some stranger and that, well, I just don't quite fit in that church. You're part of our family. You're part of our family, and we need you, and we want you. I don't care if you're the crazy uncle. We still want you. Romans 12 and 5. So we being many are one body in Christ and every member's one of another. The New International Version says this. So in Christ, we are many uh, form one body. Each member belongs to all the others. And another reason we need fellowship is because you need encouragement sometimes. I have not come across an apostolic person that has been on cloud nine since they received the Holy Ghost. Anybody here? That's all you, 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 you never experienced about. No, we've all experienced valley situations. Sometimes we need encouragement and strength from the church family to grow spiritually. I don't know how many times I've come to a church service and I've gone through something or I have gone through something and the preacher is preaching on that. I'm wondering, who told him? Who told him that I was going through this? I know that's why a lot of you people don't want to talk to the pastor because you feel like he's going to be preaching against you the next day. Well, it's not true. It's not true. It's what God does. I've been there. Been there. Hebrews 10 and 24 says, Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. And then Ecclesiastes, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Ecclesiastes 4.12, the one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. That's true. Number four, Jesus is present. When we fellowship together, he said, I'll be in the midst of two or three. So there is power when we come together. He said in his word, and he will not go against his word. We're two or three. In fact, he's here right now because we've gathered together in his name. He said, I will honor that, and I will be there in, in the midst. New International Version, again, for whenever two or three have come together in my name, I am there right among them. And then fellowship, as we, we see it in the church, is a witness to the world. John 17 and 21 says they, that they may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent us. I found one of the greatest things that at a company dinner, and... Uh, me and another, another member of another church were together, and we're just, we're just doing what we do, laugh and have a good time. No liquor was involved, as in other things were. But we were just having a good time. 
And somebody turned from another table and said, I want what they have. And we just kind of looked at each other like, oh, this is a good time for a prayer meeting right here. Come on, come on. I'll lay hands right here, right in the middle of this company dinner and pray for you. Receive ye the Holy Ghost. But you see, people will see us together and the love that we have uh, together because they will identify us as disciples of Jesus by this. Watch. John 13 and 34, a new commandment I give unto you that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. Verse 35, but this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one to another. I tell you what, I want to be a part of something where I see people that are loving one another. I don't want to be part of something where I see people fighting all the time. I told Angie I, I, I left a job because of that very situation. Joined the company, was happy to be a part of the company, it was something new, but it was a uh, husband and wife that, that owned the company, it was a husband's company, but the, the wife came in to, to help him, and they, every day, knock down, drag out, argue, fight. He went through so many phones because he'd get so mad yelling at her and he'd just slam his phone down and blah, blah, blah. And they were, you, they'd be out in the hall in front of everybody. And then they come into my office to have a meeting with me. As they want to talk to me of how we're going to increase sales. And I could not live in that atmosphere anymore. And I had to get out. Nobody wants to come where there's a combative spirit. Nobody wants to come where there just seems to be contention and problems in the flock. But they want to come where they see love. They want to come where they see acceptance. They want to come where there's community. We need fellowship. We need one another. Turn to somebody and point your finger out and tell them, you need me. You need me. Somebody say, I need you. Brother Warren, I need you. I need you. We need Zachary. We do need Zachary. Why is it hard to have fellowship with some people? Why is it hard? Paul said we had to endeavor to keep the unity. Why is it so hard for us to get along? Well, number one, we're all different. You may not agree in my music choices. I may not agree in yours. Doesn't mean I don't love you. Just means you don't have good taste in music. I never know what I'm going to come home to with Sister Ange. I came home to classical music playing today. So... But it's not to let the little petty things like that interfere with our relationship. Me and my dad, I love my dad tremendously. He was, my, he, was, whew, he was there. He was it. He was the best. But the one contention that me and him had, the one thing that brought disagreement in the household was he did not like the Three Stooges. And I don't get that. But he liked the Marx Brothers. I tried to watch the Marx Brothers about a month or two ago, folks. I don't get it. I don't understand it. It was not funny to me. Now, Curly can poke 
uh, a mole in the eyes or vice versa, and I will fall on the floor laughing. But he just did not find the three suitors funny at all. You know, it didn't stop our love for one another. We can have disagreements, but yet still be on the same page as far as brothers and sisters. I don't always agree with my brothers and sisters. In fact, there's a lot of things that we're far on the other side of the spectrum. But where the, where the rubber meets the road is, I'll stand up for them, I'll fight for them, and I will love them. Because that's what we do. We're family. I can talk about them. I can call them names. You can't. But Paul said to endeavor to keep the unity. And I'll finish with this. One thing we don't need in this church is fakeness. There's nothing worse than somebody uh, saying they appreciate somebody while they're just lying right through their teeth. One thing I've always tried to be, and I think for the most part I've, I've succeeded in this, the person you see behind this pulpit is the, purpose, the person you're going to see somewhere's out there. Whether it's at Six Flags, whether it's in the park, when you bump into me at Walmart, this is who I am. God is just asking us to be genuine and sincere. If you read on a Hershey's syrup bottle, not Ovaltine, Hershey's claims to be the genuine chocolate syrup. Genuine. It's real. Some may disagree. Some may like Nestle. Some might like the great value. But Hershey says it's genuine. It's real. This world needs to see the genuine love of Jesus coming from this church, from us, to them, to one another. We need to be genuine. It doesn't take a very spiritual person to see when somebody's not very genuine, when they're being fake. In fact, I, I think I preached that message one time, how to spot a fake. But that's because I was in the jewelry business and I could spot a fake Rolex a mile away. People trying to come into the jewelry store, they want to sell us this Rolex watch. And will you give me $1,000 for it? Yeah, I give you $1,000. I won't even give you $10 for this thing. <laughs> and then we've had people that were really surprised. They, they come in and want to know about their, their great big diamond that their spouse just gave them. I, oh, man, how do I tell you this? It's fake. It's not real. Oh. <gasps> God just wants us to be real. We serve a real God who gives us real grace and real mercy and real love. And I think we ought to exhibit that real grace and mercy to one another. Can I, can I just open myself up and be very transparent to you guys? I'm going to mess up. I'm going to do something stupid. It's a given. I'm going to do something that... that I may have to, I'm more than likely, I'm going to have to apologize for. But I want you to know, I love you. We need to have grace one to another. Because I need grace and forgiveness from my father. Be genuine. Because this world 
need something that's genuine. There's enough fake stuff all around. In fact, churches are dropping their standards. They're dropping the word of God, and you can live as you want to be. You can be whoever you want to be, and you can do whatever you want to do and still feel the comfort of, I'm going to heaven. But that goes against every principle of the word of God. I will preach Acts 2.38 until I get into the ground because that's the only way of salvation. But we need to be genuine to each other and genuine to these new ones that are coming into the church. Fellowship, growing in relationship with our God and growing in relationship with one another. Amen. I got 10 more pages, but I'm going to end right there. Again, if you want copies of the notes, get with me and I'll, you, can, you, you can finish the sermon yourself. <laughs> Remember all of our announcements. <coughs> this is, Brother Joe, do we have any more or is this it? Okay, line this up. We want it full for this, this coming weekend. We only have another week or so to go. Uh, this will end on Father's Day. We want to see Levi just pied in the face. <laughs> there are many adults that are just looking for this pie in the face of Brother Levi, and we want it to be good. So uh, fill up as many.